for wonderful grace of Jesus Christ, which calls us to repentance. We are so lost without you, we don't even want you. We don't even want to know your grace, but you call us to yourself. Out of the darkness of our sin, out of the darkness of our flailings and our failings, away from the things that bind our hearts and keep us from knowing the wonderful freedom that you give us. For all of us who are here this morning or are Christ followers, we have experienced that. Yet sometimes we don't always live in it, practically speaking. And my prayer this morning is, Father, that you would take your word and minister it to our hearts in the way that we need it. That our position as Christ followers living in the light of your glorious truth would match the practice of our everyday lives. Father, would you do that this morning by your Holy Spirit? Just speak to us. Strip away everything that is not you so that we can hear your voice today. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks, folks. You can have a seat. I was, uh, I was driving the other day. I have a little side hustle make a few extra bucks, I do some site inspections of residential construction for Norway Savings Bank. And I never know when it's going to happen. It might happen once a month. It might be twice a week. But I get an email and they say, hey, we've got a house over here we need you to go look at. And over the last six or eight years that I've been doing that, I have been all over the state. I mean, roads that I didn't even know existed. And I went out the other day, and I'm driving along, and I see the address, and I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, I've been in this area before. But I get out there, and I start driving, and I realize I'm on roads that I have never even seen before. And I was looking at my phone. I was watching my phone. I had it propped up so I could see it. And I thought to myself, what in the world did I do before I had this GPS on my phone? So I could figure out where in the world I was going. And the GPS works great. There's only one flaw. I don't know if maybe some of you, probably not you ladies, but I bet some of you guys have discovered this flaw. The only flaw with GPS on your phone is when it tells you to take a turn and you decide not to do it. The ladies are laughing. The guys are like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, because you poor ladies have been in the car with us and we've said, I know where this road is going. I'm not turning there. That's ridiculous. I'm going to turn here. Now, what usually happens to me, I know it never happens to anybody else, but what usually happens to me is I realize I should have listened to the GPS. <laughs> I should have taken that turn because not long after as I'm speeding down the road in my own you know, thoughts and ideas of how I should get to where I'm going, my GPS usually says something like, please make a U-turn at your earliest convenience. Uh, the GPS gives me good information, but it's only helpful if I follow it. And the same is true with the Word of God. The Word of God actually gives us absolutely flawless directions for life 
in his word. But the question is always, no matter what it is, no matter what book we're looking at, no matter what passage of scripture, no matter what principles we're talking about, the question always is, am I going to listen and follow and obey or am I going to do my own thing? Well, we're in 1 Thessalonians this morning. If you have your Bibles with you, it is the 52nd book in the Bible. It's the 13th book of the New Testament. But it's possible that it was the first New Testament book that was written. Chronologically, it doesn't cover the first events that happened in our New Testament, but it was probably one of the first ones written around 50 A.D., Two weeks ago when we were in the book of Philippians, I said that Paul and Silas have visited Philippi. And if you want to read about that, you can go to Acts chapter 16. And if you read that, you remember that all kinds of people got saved in Philippi. And so much so that Paul and Silas got thrown in jail. They got thrown in prison for preaching the gospel. Afterwards, they, they got out of prison, and everybody in town said, you need to leave. You need to leave right now. And they, they threw them out of town. If you read in Acts 17, if you keep going in your Bible in the book of Acts, you'll find that they left Philippi, and they went to a town called Thessalonica, also in Greece, in the same area. They go to Thessalonica, and they start preaching the gospel, and guess what happens? A whole bunch of people get saved again. And Paul and Silas start discipling them, and they start a church there. In fact, so many people get saved that it causes an uproar in the whole city, and the city leaders come to Paul and Silas, and they kick them out of the city again. I'm not saying I want this to happen, but can you imagine if the selectmen came to Tim and I and said, look, you guys, there's so many people getting saved and so many lives getting changed and so much going on here that we need to ask you guys to leave. And maybe some of you are thinking, well, that might not be a bad thing. You've been here for a long time. Maybe it's time to try something new. I don't know. If that's true, keep it to yourself. I don't want to hear it. We're not leaving. But that's what happened to Paul and Silas. They said, you got to get out of here. There's too many lives being changed. It's just creating so much turmoil because of the ungodliness of the city and all these people coming to Christ and changing their lifestyle, it was literally disrupting the culture of Thessalonica. That's what was happening. Well, Paul knew he wasn't going to be welcome there for a little while, so he sent Timothy back to Thessalonica to see how they were doing, to encourage them. Timothy returned to Paul, gave him a report, which was mostly positive. They were doing a lot of good things. They were walking with the Lord. But like all of us who come to Christ, there's still work to be done. How many of you have been walking with the Lord for some time, and you figure you're pretty much all set? You got it all figured out, all handled? No? Ernie, how's it going? All perfect? Probably not. Not because it's Ernie. I mean, I'm just picking on Ernie because I see him there. But for all of us, right? Even though we're walking with God, there's still work to do. And that's what was happening in Thessalonica. It was a major city, 250,000 people, and it was vile, and it was sinful, and it was self-focused. And the culture was not unlike what we are living in today where there was an utter disintegration of morality and culture 
and it was impacting the church. See, they'd come to Christ. They were walking with God, as we're going to see in a moment when we read these verses. But the city was so vile, the culture was so vile that it was starting to creep into the church. And God had plans for them, as he does for each one of us, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. I want you to just be thinking about this phrase as we read these verses. It is this, the will of God for every Christ follower is sanctification. The will of God for every Christ follower is sanctification. Now, we're going to read some verses here and find out what that means and why it matters. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1. Paul says, finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. So this might sound a little familiar to some of you that have been coming to Moss Brook for a long time because what Paul is basically saying is, I'm not telling you anything new. We've talked about this before. We've been doing this now for about 20 years. There's been nothing added to God's Word in those 20 years. A lot of you will come here on a Sunday morning and you hear us teach and you'll think, I've heard that before. <laughs> and that's what Paul was saying to them. We have talked about this before, how you ought to walk. And notice what he says, how you ought to please God, which, by the way, should be the ultimate goal of every Christ follower, to please God. We're going to talk about sanctification here, and I want you to understand that the first purpose of our sanctification is to please God. It's to honor and glorify God. Sanctification is not primarily to make our lives better and easier. Now, sometimes when you are struggling in your life, you're wrestling with something, you come to me or you come to Pastor Tim or you come to someone else that you trust in our body, a small group leader, a friend who you know is walking with God, and, they, and you say, this is what's happening, and we might say to you, well, God's Word says this is the way that you need to walk, and you're thinking, I want to do this because that's going to make my life better, and it probably will make your life better. When we obey God, it makes our lives better, but that's not the primary purpose of sanctification. And the primary purpose is that we would please God. That's why we're here. Now notice what he says, and I want you to see this because this applies to most of you as well. He says, I want you to walk and please God just as you are doing. The Thessalonians were walking with God. It's not like they were living heinous lives, most of them probably. And so might you be. You might be here this morning and listening to this message and hearing me start and saying, I'm not sure exactly where he's going, and by the time I get to the end of it, you'll know exactly where I'm going, but you might think, well, I am walking with God, and I understand that, but notice what Paul says, just as you are doing, and that you might do so more and more, more and more, keep going. Go beyond where you are. Surpass it. That's what the phrase means. And this is what we need to remember about sanctification. We must define it this way. It is progressing in holiness. 
Sanctification is a process. It is ongoing. It must never stop as a follower of Christ. You must never stop growing closer to God. You must never stop learning more about His truth. There is no level that we get to and then we rest and we say, whoo, I made it. That doesn't happen in the Christian life. We're to be continuing to progress. Let's keep going. Verse 2. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. Again, there should be no excuses, Paul says, about what to do. You know, we have told you. The same could be said of us. We know, we have been told. We have the word of God in our hands. So what does Paul say? Verse 3, the first part. This is the will of God, your sanctification. This is why you were saved. Now, if I were to poll you this morning or to poll a whole group of people, maybe even people that don't go to church, and we'll say, what is the purpose of salvation? I bet most people would say, well, so I can go to heaven. Or maybe, so I don't go to hell. But Paul says, the purpose for which you have been saved is sanctification is growing in holiness to become more and more like Jesus. Now, I like this phrase here because it's so clear. This is the will of God, your sanctification. How many times in your life, if you're a Christ follower, if you care about what God cares about, how many times have you said, man, I wish I knew what God's will was? Guess what? It's right here. This is God's will, your sanctification. If you aren't progressing in your holiness, if you are not growing, if you are not becoming more like Christ, then you are not following the will of God. I say this once in a while, and it, I say it because, as I referenced a couple of weeks ago, I am a realist. I know you're not going to remember everything that we talk about here today. Even though when I'm doing this, I'm an optimist because I'm hoping that you're remembering it. So if you only remember one thing that I say this morning, please remember this. Holiness is not optional for the true disciple of Jesus Christ. Holiness is not optional. Well, I'm not one of those guys that, you know, lives whole hog that way. I mean, I'm happy to be saved. I'm pretty stoked about not going to hell and everything, but I don't know that I need to get crazy about it. I'm not going to change everything. I'm not going to stop doing this or forget about this or change my whole life. I mean, you know, let's just be reasonable here. Holiness is not optional for the true disciple. This is God's desire for you. Now, Paul goes on here in the rest of this passage to focus on one specific area of holiness that is, is extremely important. Now, hear me when I say this. This is not the only area of our lives in which we need to progress in holiness, but it is a major one. Okay, did you hear that? It's not the only area, 
that we need to become more like Christ, but it is a major one. It is the area of sin that is most common in our world. It has been the downfall of many a civilization across time. It has been the ruin of many lives, including many Christ followers' lives. The second half of 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 says this, that you abstain from sexual immorality. Now, Paul uses two words here. In the original language, he uses two words to bring across his point that are crucial to our understanding. And the first Greek word is translated in our Bibles, sexual immorality. That's one word in the Greek. And it means to sell off. It means to sell off or to devalue. And the implication here when Paul uses this word is to, is to sell off our purity or to devalue our purity. Now, why does Paul use this particular word? There are other Greek words that refer to immorality of various types. But I think that he uses this word in particular because this one refers to promiscuity and immorality of every kind. It's a very general word. There are lots of words in Greek that refer to this kind of immorality and that kind and so on and so forth. And we don't need to go into all the details this morning. But this is the general word. All kinds of sexual immorality. Now, I think Paul knew what he was doing because he knew that we like to look for loopholes. If he had used a certain kind of word that referred to a certain type of immorality, we might have said, well, you know, I know that he means this, but he doesn't really mean that. He means this thing that I would never dream of doing. He doesn't mean this that I do. We look for loopholes. So Paul said, all of it. Every type. Now I want you to notice the second word that is so critical for us to understand. And it is a word that is translated in our English Bible, abstain. Abstain. Abstain means to be fully separated from. Paul's command here is what I would, what I would call unequivocal. Unequivocal means... There's no moderation here in this command. It's abstention. Paul is telling us that we need to separate ourselves from to avoid sexual sin at all costs. He's not saying be careful here and just take it easy. Don't get too involved. As long as it's not all the time, as long as it's not every which way, you can dance around the edges a little bit. Just be careful you don't get sucked in. He doesn't say that. Avoid it at all costs. Now, this is not the only time that we read this, and that's why I think Paul says, look, you know this. Because in Matthew chapter 5, in verse 28, when people were questioning Jesus, 
about how he felt about the law. Now he felt about all the things that Moses had said for the Jews to do. They were talking to him and saying, you know, well, how about you, Jesus? How do you feel about this stuff? Is this still matter? Is this still important? And Jesus addresses the topic of immorality. And he says, you know, Moses said, don't commit adultery. I'm raising the bar. I'm telling you, if you even lust after someone that is not your spouse, that's adultery. Over in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul again, talking to the folks at Ephesus, said it's not just your actions that constitute sexual immorality, it is also your speech and your attitude. He says you need to avoid crudeness in your conversation. Be completely separate from these kinds of thoughts and actions. Why is this so critical? Why does, why does Paul address this multiple times? Why did Jesus address it? Well, in 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter addresses it, and he says that this kind of sin wages war against your soul. It wages war against your soul. There is something about immorality, this kind of sin, that is not just, it's not just a one-off. It's not just something that happens and then we move on and say, well, that was dumb, I shouldn't have done that. It digs deeply into our soul and it affects every part of our being. There was a time in this country when chastity and purity were publicly encouraged. That is no longer happening. I think you know that. You know that because every commercial and every TV show and every movie features homosexual characters and transgender characters. You can't not see it. You may not believe me when I say this, but if you don't, you need to dig your head out of the sand and start watching what's going on in our country. Elementary school children are being shown pornography in the classroom. Drag queens are doing story time in local libraries all over our country. Purity is not being encouraged in this culture. And Paul says, Christ follower, you need to run from every kind of immorality. Look at verse 4. So that each of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. The word control means to possess or to get control of it. In our sanctification, our growing in holiness, it is, it's expressed physically, isn't it? And you might say, our, our, the fact that I need to become more like Christ, that, that's about my heart. That's about my heart attitude. And that is absolutely true, but it's manifested in our bodies. It's manifested by the way that we live, by the way that we speak, by the way that we treat other people. And Paul says, you need to know. You need to know how to control your body. The word know there literally means you need to figure it out. You need to learn it. You need to do, know, need to do whatever it takes to figure out what pushes you away from Christ and toward impurity. You need to figure that out in your life. 
I'm not going to tell you what you need to do, but I will tell you this. There are books and magazines that you should not be reading. There are television shows and movies that you should not be watching if you're a Christ follower. There are websites that you should not be visiting. It is foolish for us as Christ followers to play around with these things and think that it is not going to affect us because we will fall. That's why Paul doesn't say, be careful of these things. He says, abstain from these things. Run as far from them as you can. And learn and figure out what it is that you need to do to keep yourself from falling into impurity. Verse 5. Not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. So if sanctification is progression in holiness, holiness is literally to be set apart, to be distinct. That means there's something that's filthy here, and so I am over here. That's what holiness means, to be distinct, to be set apart. And Paul is saying here in verse 5, we need to be distinct from the world. Folks, if you're a Christ follower, people should look at you and say, you're not like everybody else. Now, I know that that's not always fun. And I know our world over the last 15 or 20 years has had this big individuality push. Be your own person. Do your own thing. Don't let anybody tell you what you should be doing. You know what I think is so hilarious about that? Everybody's doing the exact same thing. I'm going to do my own thing, which just happens to be just like what everybody else is doing. And I know, I remember what it was like to be in junior high, and in high school, and in college, and a young adult, and now as an old adult. Nobody likes to stick out. Well, I mean, there are some who are like, hey, whoo, here I am, look at me. But most of us would rather just blend a little. You don't have that option if you're a Christ follower. You don't have that choice. Paul says you need to be distinct from the world. How does the world function, he says here? The world functions according to their passion and lust, emotion and feelings and desires. These drive their actions. Do you know why we have had this sudden just tsunami of all of this stuff going on in our world, particularly in the area of immorality and all of the transgenderism and all of this? Is because... Everybody is being cursed. Just do whatever you feel like doing. Did you have that little feeling? Did you have that one little thought? Run with it. Paul said, not for Christ followers. Now listen, I know that we all have 
impure thoughts. The difference between someone who is walking with Jesus Christ and the person who is just doing their own thing is, when I have that impure thought, I think, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to let my thoughts and my feelings direct my life. I'm going to make another choice. I'm going to do what God's Word tells me to do instead of what I feel like I want to do. This kind of living cannot be for the true Christ follower, the true disciple. As we progress in holiness, we will become more and more distinct from the world. More and more. That's not happening, actually. I hope it's happening in your life, but in general in the church, that's not happening. In 2019, a poll found that 60% of Christ followers who were asked had no problem with living together and sleeping together before they're married to someone. 60% of Christ followers. I'm not talking about the general population. If you reduce that to those who are under the age of 24 who are asked that same question, 90% were okay with it. 90% of Christ followers... Not the general population, Christ followers. We're not being distinct from the world. That's not holy. Now, depending on how you feel about all this stuff, you may be sitting there and you may be thinking, Mike, hey, you know what? For 50 AD, that might work. But it is unreasonable to think that in 2021, people aren't going to live together. It's unreasonable to think that they aren't going to watch TV shows that have filth in them. It's unreasonable to think that people aren't going to encourage homosexuality. It's just different today. That was a long time ago. If that is what is going through your mind right now, to that I would say you need to know your history. Because first century Rome was a vile cesspool that would make 2021 in the United States look fairly tame. In the middle of that cesspool, Paul says, abstain and control yourself. In the middle of it. Paul wasn't living in this place, this special place, where none of this was happening. He was living in the middle of it. Don't be like those, he says, who do not know God. Verse 6, let no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter because the Lord is an avenger in all of these things. As we told you beforehand and solemnly warn you, our sin affects other people. Please do not believe the lie that it doesn't. That, that's Satan's lie. Satan loves to, especially in this area of immorality, he loves to say, hey, look, you know what? This is just about you, what you're doing, what you're thinking. Don't worry about it. It's not going to affect anyone else. That is bull. That's a lie. Paul says, don't wrong your brother or your sister. Don't take advantage of them, literally he is saying. You are hurting those around you. You are hurting those you are connected to. If you're actively engaged in immorality with another person, especially another Christ follower, you are hurting them. 
you are stealing from them what God has given them. And then Paul gives us a warning. The Lord is an avenger in all of these things. The word avenger here means the one who judges and exacts a penalty. There is a very serious warning here that this kind of immorality will not go unpunished. And apparently it's a warning that Paul had given before. I'm guessing when he was in Thessalonica the first time before he got kicked out, he talked about this with them. And he said, look, I'm warning you. This kind of sin will not go unpunished. Can I just say this? Because I don't know everything about you. I don't know how your walk is with the Lord right now. I don't know if you're struggling in any of these areas or not. But can I just say this? Be very careful when your mouth says one thing and your life says something else. Be real careful of that. Especially those who claim to follow Christ. Paul says, professing Christians, those of you who are out there and you say, oh yeah, I'm a Christ follower, but you're really not. But you're telling everybody that you are and you're living this way. Paul says, Christ is going to judge you and condemn you. That's the truth. And for those of us who are Christ followers, he is saying you have no business living like someone who is unregenerate. God will chasten you. He will discipline you. That is a fact. Why? Well, verse 7. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. I know this all sounds very severe. It's not my favorite thing to do to get up here and tell you, look, if you're not living the way that you're supposed to, you'll be judged for that. This is what God... I don't enjoy doing that, but I want you to know, verse 7 is the reason why. Because God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. What did God save us for? He saved us to glorify Him, to progress in holiness, to become like Christ. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 6.13, The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. That's why He saved us. Folks, God did not send Jesus Christ to the cross to die and to call you out of the world and to save you so that you could continue to live in sin. He has called you to holiness. It is his greatest desire for you. If you are a Christ follower, you are Christ's child. And when he looks at you, he wants the best for you. And the best for you is purity, abstention from all kinds of sexual immorality, progression and holiness. That is Christ's best for you. That's what he wants. I recognize that not everybody here has children, but for those of you that do, what's your greatest desire for your kids? Most people say, I just wanted to be healthy. I just wanted to be happy. I just wanted to be successful. How about holy? Who's going to set the pattern for our children? Us. How do you think your kids are going to live? They're going to live like you're living because they're watching you. One more verse. (laughs) 
It's a doozy. Whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. I'm not trying to be popular here. If I was, there were several other places in 1 Thessalonians I could have taught from today. And you can do whatever you want. You can write me off. You can ignore me. You can think I'm overreacting or being sensational. You can think it's not appropriate for me to talk about this stuff on a Sunday morning. You can do whatever you want. But if you disregard what I'm saying here, you're not disregarding me. You're disregarding God. This is his word. This is his truth, his standards, not mine. And furthermore, for those of us who are Christ followers here today, God has given us his Holy Spirit to help us and teach us and guide us and encourage us. And do you think he gave us that precious gift so that we could just do, keep doing whatever the heck we want? Is that why you think he gave us the Holy Spirit? Do whatever you want, and if you need any help, he'll be there. That's not what God intends. If you reject sexual purity, you reject God. And please do not believe that your daily choices will have no bearing on your relationship with him. Hey, I can go to church on Sunday, do whatever I want during the week. It's no big deal. I still remember where my Bible is. I can still pray when I need to. Please don't be that foolish. God's will for you is your sanctification. It's his desire for you and it's mine too. Are you progressing in your holiness? How you handle your thoughts, your words, your lust, your anger? Can I just encourage you that if you are going to progress in your holiness, if you are going to take these truths seriously, you must be willing to make some brutal decisions. You may have to make some decisions that people around you are not making. But please know that the Holy Spirit will honor that in your life if you are willing to do that, to strengthen you and enable you. You have a choice. You can be a leaf that gets washed downstream with the current, or you can be a rock that's sitting in the middle of the stream and the water flows around it. It's your choice. But please know this. Paul says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 6, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you will reap. My friends, there's another option. Will you stand with me? We're going to sing. The option is to lay our lives at Christ's feet every day as a sacrifice to be used. Stand with us as we close this morning. Now, if you're thinking, you know what? That is way too hard to do by myself. You are absolutely right. That's why God gave us the church. The Greek word for church is ekklesia. You know what it means? 
It means the assembly. It means when all of God's people come together and say, we need to encourage each other to live life the way that we need to because we can't do it out there in the middle of all that by ourselves. It also means the called out ones, called out of the world to something very, very different. My friend, that's what God has in mind for you, to progress in your holiness, to become distinct from the world, to be, to be very different, not to be out of the world because the world needs Jesus Christ too, but to be in the world but distinct from it. We can only do that together. Father, thank you so much for the gathering, for the assembly, for the body, the building, the bride of Jesus Christ. For every Christ follower that is here this morning, Father, would you give your grace and strength in a very special way. Even at this moment, may they know that they are yours. May they know your Holy Spirit awake and working in their hearts that they might progress in their holiness, that we might all become more like you, more distinct from the world for your honor and glory to please you. Thank you, Father, for bringing us together today for this time. We pray that it's been honoring to you and encouraging and helpful to us who have gathered. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for coming, folks. Please have a great week.